Last week I read you the scripture from Isaiah that Jesus poured out his soul unto death. And we talked about that happening in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was sweating blood, not because of physical exertion, but because of emotional pressure. Isaiah said he poured out his soul to death. And Paul, late in his life, said, I am poured out like a drink offering. Speaking of giving his soul in the service of the Lord. And so I talked to you last Sunday about pouring out our souls or surrendering our souls to the Lord. And that in order for the, our souls are inside of our bodies and in order for that to happen, there has to be a pressing, a squeezing. And we looked at olive presses and the wine press and like olives and grapes have to be crushed in order for what's inside to come out. I talked about the squeezing of the Lord, the pressing. And then we looked at Mary's perfume bottle and how she broke open her unclosable perfume bottle and dumped it on Jesus' feet, this most valuable gift that Jesus ever received. And in fact, biblically, every prophet, priest, and king had to be anointed with oil, and Jesus never was except for this. He was anointed by Mary. And he said in preparation for his death, but what we looked at is this is her giving her most valuable, most extravagant adoration. And it's a picture of us breaking ourselves open and giving him our souls. Because the Bible repeatedly refers to us as a jar or a vase or a cup. And we pour ourselves out as an offering. And so I talked to you about us surrendering our souls. And I have a couple other scriptures that I did not use last week that I want to start with this morning that use this same language about emptying. Philippians 2, 5-11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Though he was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to cling to, but he emptied himself to nothing. There's our key phrase. He emptied himself to nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So Paul tells us, the Bible tells us, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So have the same mindset as Jesus. And what was Jesus' mindset? I empty myself to nothing. I make myself the servant of everyone and I obey till I die. There's your life plan right there. Have this mind. This is the same way Jesus thought. Think the same way, empty myself to nothing, make myself a servant of everyone, and obey God till I die. Yes. Sounds pretty simple, huh? <laughs> Easy and simple are not the same thing. But Paul says, be intentional about thinking like Jesus. And the thought to have is, I empty myself. I pour out my soul. 
I surrender my very self. All of the surrender that I've talked to you about so far since June is external. It's circumstances and loved ones and our finances and the world situation and just letting all that go, letting Jesus be Jesus, let him be the Savior, and, and I, I just live in peace. But what I'm talking to you about last week and this morning is us surrendering internally, surrender what is inside of us to the Lord. And Paul says, start with thinking like Jesus. And so I'm using this phrase, surrender our soul. And that doesn't mean that you won't end up with one. <laughs> if I surrender my soul, it's not giving it away like gingers have no soul. Surrender my soul means that I give it <laughs> to Jesus to do whatever he wants with it. So it doesn't mean that we won't have one. It's just submitted to Jesus. So uh, I defined it last week, but let's do it again. Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. That's the standard definition biblically and even in psychology. It's our mind, our will, and emotions, and it's not a Bible word, but it's a perfectly fine way to say it is that it's our personality. Um, the Greek word in the Bible is psyche, and it is where we get the English word psychology. Um, Jesus used this word. Um, numerous Bible authors did. Uh, and it, the word psyche can be translated soul, self, life, or personality. So last week and this morning, if I use the word self or soul or personality, I am, I'm referring to those all as the same thing. Just using those terms interchangeably. And it's all wrapped up in the Greek word psyche that I'm talking to you, encouraging you to surrender to Jesus. To surrender our personality. Because Oswald Chambers wrote that personality is one of the greatest hindrances to obeying the Lord. Jesus pays no attention whatsoever to our interests. It is God who engineers circumstances, and consequently there is no whining, but a reckless abandon to Jesus. Personality is one of the greatest hindrances to obeying the Lord, and we do that. Well, God understands that I'm just a shy person. He, he knows it's hard for me to be assertive, or God just knows I, I, he made me with a hot temper. That's excuses to not be like Jesus. Jesus has required many of his disciples to go on the mission field or do ministries or take care of people that they didn't want to. And it's not our excuse to say I don't have time or it's not how I want to live my life. When he asks us to give up something, he knows that we may care very deeply about it. And it's not that he doesn't care. He's not hard-hearted at all. But that doesn't move him in his decision. So what I am learning myself and what I am encouraging you to do this morning is the surrender of our personality, the pouring out of our soul. And what does that look like? Because it doesn't mean that I'll not have a soul. What I mean is our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. So it's surrendering our thoughts and desires and feelings to him to save and redeem and change and heal and correct and transform them.
and Jesus told us to do this four times. There are four references to the same sentence in the Gospels. They're in Matthew, Mark, and twice in Luke. Jesus said this sentence, Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And in English, we get the word life, but the Greek word Jesus used is psyche. Whoever desires to save his psyche will lose it. But whoever loses his psyche for my sake will find it. Let me change the word loses to surrender. Whoever surrenders his psyche will find it. One of the translations says, keep it for eternity. And your psyche is, it is your soul. It is your self. It is the core being of who you are. Jesus says, if you try to preserve that and hold on to who you are, you're going to lose it. But if you let me have it, I'll, I'll give you real inner life. Again, what I invite you to do this morning and encourage you to take to the Lord is to surrender your soul, surrender your psyche, lose, lose your personality. Jesus used the word lose. <laughs> and you will find real life. All of my life, my mind has driven me. Of the three parts of our soul, my mind is the strongest and always has been. My mind drives me, and then when I was young, that energized me, and now that I'm older, it torments me. I don't mean that my mind is tormented. I don't mean I hear voices. I know there are people that do, and there may be somebody in the room that does. And Actually, uh, two or three weeks ago, we had a lady who the Lord used some conversation to help get free from that and it, she is gloriously saved and different free from voices but when I say my mind torments me I mean my mind won't shut up it is the strongest part of my soul and I have a terrible time shutting it down sometimes I yell at it I'm like shut up shut up stop uh, when I wake up in the night, very often I will have two or three seconds of bliss where my mind is not racing. And it's something happens, I can almost feel it trip like a physical thing happens. And my mind turns on and just... And it's, it's either stress or fear or just a to-do list or whatever... Um, it may be accompanied by emotion or not. It's just, it just turns on. And 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So even if what I'm thinking about is true, I still only need to know what Jesus thinks about it. My mind is never going to lead me to truth. My mind is never going to figure it out. My mind is always going to come up with the wrong response, the wrong words, the wrong answer. Always, every single time, I will be wrong. But I can take my thoughts captive to Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says we have the mind of Christ. I'm just confessing to you what it looks like in my life in real time, 
everyday life, what does it look like to, to surrender our soul? I have to surrender my mind to Jesus. It's like, my, I don't want my mind, I want Jesus's. Because my mind is, just not only will it not shut up, it's just always wrong. And I need the mind of Christ. Well, if we can have the mind of Christ, our whole soul is the other two parts. We can have the feelings of Christ and we can have the will of Christ also. Bill Johnson says, I can't afford to have a thought in my mind that is not in God's mind. I can't afford to have a thought in my mind that is not in God's mind. And that's true. If I do, I will ruin things. So last night I called Kale to get that quote accurate because I couldn't find it anywhere and I wanted to make sure that I was quoting Bill right. And, and he told me something. Can I put you on the spot? You want to just come share your meditation? Welcome, Kale. I'm totally on the spot, not planned. It was um, maybe close to a year ago. I had been thinking about kind of along the same line, like, you know, God, you, you, know, you gave me a new heart. Your, your word says that you give us a new heart in, uh, in the book of Ezekiel, you know, that you would take out this heart of stone and you, you put in a heart of flesh. And I said, why don't you do that with my mind? Why is there a difference? Why is this different? And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering this. I'm thinking, who can I ask? Who can I ask about this driving down the road? And all of a sudden, he just said, well, why don't you ask me? You know? I didn't think about that. And so after, I don't know, several seconds of, of being embarrassed, I found, well, okay, why? He said, why is it that way? And he just said, one of these two places was meant to be a habitation for me. So the heart, the heart gets new when we ask him to come in it. But we have, we have this responsibility to, to steward our mind and to... Uh, spend time in the Word of God, in the presence of God, and let Him renew our minds. So. Yeah, that's good. Right on. So, Cale just says we have this responsibility, and it is hard work. It is, we have to, have to speak the Word of God and believe it and get a hold of our thoughts and feelings, and, and it, my, mind is my, my mind is my responsibility, and, and I, I can't, like Oswald Chambers says, I can't just use that as an excuse to hinder me from obeying the Lord. And Steve Backlund, one of the senior leaders at Bethel, says, positive emotions are evidence that I'm renewing my mind with the Word of God, and negative emotions are evidence that I'm filling my mind with lies. And I've been visiting with a counselor all of this calendar year, and every time I bring up a negative emotion, she says, Mitch, your emotions come from what you believe is true. So what lie are you believing that's making you feel that way? Every single time. She will not allow me to have a negative emotion. <laughs> like it comes from what you believe. So let's dig down and process and think and figure out where is the lie that is creating that feeling. And because it comes from what I think. So between the Lord and Steve Backland and Mary and a TED Talk that I listen to, I'm learning to, to how to, what it means to take my thoughts captive. And I listened to a guy on a TED Talk um, talking about his mind was so loud, he was on antipsychotics. And he gave me two questions to ask that I want to pass on to you. Are my thoughts useful? How are they behaving? 
If your mind gets racing, or your feelings, or your desires, because this is our whole soul, is this useful? And how are my thoughts or feelings or desires behaving? What is it creating in me? And I have seen that help. So I'm not alone, you're not alone in this. Jesus does help us. How does he help us with this? Well, I told you last week, he presses the olive to bring the oil out. He, he is the one that treads the grapes in the wine press. Like the olive or the grape or Mary's perfume flask, we have to be broken. Broken open so that the life that is inside can come out. Not so that I'm destroyed, but so that the Holy Spirit life can come out of me. And Jesus helps by breaking us. He told me that he was going to put a mirror in front of me and show me my soul, and he did, and it was really, really ugly. And then it wasn't hard to ask him to break me, to get rid of it all. Watchman Nee was a Chinese preacher who died two years before Sarah and I were born, spent the last 20 years of his life in prison, wrote many books, most of them from prison. In his book, Release of the Spirit, he wrote this, God must break your chief personality trait so that you do not inflict it upon others, and the Spirit may come forth unmixed with your soul. If Jesus leaves our souls intact, like the olive and the grape, there can be no wine or new wine, new wine or oil. Like the perfume bottle, everything's just contained inside. But if he will, in love, not in punishment, not in anger, but if he will, in love, break us open, then he can come out. Unmixed by our own souls. I want to read to you a passage from Watchman Nee's book, Release of the Spirit. Since you were saved, the aim of the Lord is to break your soul. It is to break this clay jar, to break our alabaster box, to crack open our shell. The Lord longs to find a way to bless the world through those who belong to him, and brokenness is the way of blessing, the way of fragrance, the way of fruitfulness. It is also a path sprinkled with blood. Yes, there will be many wounds. When we offer ourselves to the Lord at his service, we cannot afford to be lenient to spare ourselves. We must allow the Lord utterly to crack our soul. How much we need him to open our eyes to see that everything which comes into our lives can be meaningful. The Lord has not wasted even one thing. To understand the Lord's purpose, it is very clear to see that he is aiming at a single objective, the breaking open of the soul. Why is it that after so many years of the Lord's dealing, some Christians remain the same? Some individuals have a forceful will, some have strong emotion, others have a strong mind. Since the Lord is able to break these, why is it after many of years that some are still unchanged? We believe that there are two reasons. First, many live in darkness not seeing the hand of God. While God is working, while God is breaking, they do not recognize it as being from Him. 
They are devoid of light, seeing only men opposing and mistreating them. They imagine that circumstances are to blame, and so they continue in darkness. Thus it is that God must crush our soul. Not that we have no mind, but that we do not think from our flesh nature according to our fallen imaginations. Not that we are devoid of emotion, but that all our emotions are under the control and restraint of the spirit. This gives the spirit man a will and a mind and emotions that are usable. He wants our spirit to use our soul in loving and in thinking and deciding. While it is not his thought to annihilate our soul, we must each receive this basic experience of being broken if we aspire to effectively serve God. The hand of God may touch our thought life. We discover that our thoughts are confused and independent and uncontrolled, and we think we are wiser than others. Then it is that the Lord allows us to crash into a wall and hit the dust, all to show us that we dare not use our own thoughts. Once we have been enlightened in this, we shall fear our own thoughts as fire. Just as a hand withdraws immediately from a flame, we shall instantly draw back when we encounter our own uncontrolled thoughts. We shall remind ourselves, this is not what I should think. I am afraid to pursue my own thoughts. Further, God will so arrange our circumstances as to deal with our emotions. Some people are extremely emotional. When they are elated, they cannot control themselves, and when they are depressed, they cannot be comforted. Their whole life revolves around their emotions with their elation resulting in dissipation and their depression and inactivity. How does God rectify this? He places them in situations where they dare not be too happy when elated or too sad when depressed. We can only depend upon the grace of God and live by his mercy, not fickle emotion. Although difficulty with thoughts and emotions are quite common, the greatest and most prevalent difficulty is with our will. Our emotions run wild because our wills have not been dealt with. The root is our will. The same is true of our thoughts. We may be able to mouth the words, not my will, but yours be done. But how often do we really allow the Lord to take over when bad things happen? The less you know yourself, the more easily you will utter such words. The less you understand, the easier submission to God seems to be. He who speaks cheaply has proven he has never paid the price. Only after being dealt with by God do we really see how hard we are and how ready we are to have our own opinion. God must deal with us to make our wills tender and docile. Strong-willed people are convinced their feelings and ways and judgments are always right. We must be led by God to such a place that we dare not trust our own judgment. God will allow us to make mistake after mistake until we realize that this will be our pattern for the future too. And we really need the grace of the Lord. Frequently, the Lord permits us to reap serious consequences from our own judgments. So all my life, as a kid and a teenager, I was genuinely wanting to do what's right, to serve the Lord, to be a real Christian. It's plenty hypocritical. But I always wanted it to be real, and I prayed the prayers, and I meant it, and I prayed surrender, and I sang, I surrender all, and I give you everything. And then, and then when God seriously takes me up on those things, it hurts. Like when God begins to discipline me, like, all right, Mitch, here's where the rubber meets the road. This is who you really are, and this is what you've really got to give up. This is really what you've got to repent for. 
It's the pressing. The pressing. It's going to happen anyway. I mean, life just hurts. Life just squeezes us. There's no way out of that. So as long as we're being squeezed, let's let Jesus come out. Some people have a problem with saying God's doing this. And, and Watchman Nee said, it's, it's people, it's circumstances. But, but then the Lord is there. All right, how, how are we going to respond to this today? Are you going to let me make new wine? Or are you going to come out with yourself? Jesus, help us. Lord, we really, really do want to be like you. We want to know you. We want you to know us. We want to be and to behave as you have made us to be. To think with your mind. To feel with your heart. To desire what you desire. That our own souls are in the way. And we're just a big mess, Lord of thoughts and feelings and desires. Jesus, we need you so desperately. We need your mind, and we need the emotions of your heart, and we need the will of your desire for who we're to be and what we're to do and where we're to go. Lord, since we're being squeezed by life and circumstances and people and our own mistakes, since we're being squeezed anyway, Lord, I pray that what comes out is the fragrance of Christ. Forgive us when we react in our flesh, Lord, when we think we know the answer. So no one has to do this if you don't want to, if you don't really mean it. Or if it scares you, you don't have to. But I'm going to ask those of you who really want to pour out your soul to the Lord, if you want to surrender as, as Mary at Jesus' feet, let's just get down on our knees. If you're physically able, let's just bow at the feet of Jesus and you give him whatever you want to give him, whatever you need to give him, whatever he's bringing to your heart or mind right now. Whatever you think and feel and desire, you give it to him. <laughs>